Hey everyone, and welcome to the Louisville Podcast. Here we are once again, jumping into our series called Message Notes, where Gord and myself take a deeper look at the recent teaching from this past Sunday. Today, we're reflecting on part three of our empty series, discussing the triumphant entry of Christ into Jerusalem, what the kingdom that Jesus was showing people in his day really looked like, but also what that still looks like in the here and the now. I'm pumped that you're here with us, and I can't wait for you to listen in on this conversation. Let's dive in. Well, Gord, here we are in... Hi, week, Adams. Yeah, in week three. I think it's week three now, week isn't three it? Week three now, yeah. Week three of our empty series. And, um, you know, as always, what I what I always find fun to do with you, Gord, is just kind of ask a fun little question to get okay. things started. And uh, so at the beginning of your um, your sermon from this past week, you were talking about... Uh, it was the ticket, the ticker tape parades. Yeah, the ticker tape parades, and I thought to myself, "Oh, I'd be really interested. Like, what was like a maybe a favorite memory of a parade or or a celebration that you went to?" And and I have one in the back of my head too. But. Yeah, well, I grew up in North Sydney, hmm. which was a town at the time of about eight thousand people. Right. Yeah. And we had two parades every year. Uh, one will not surprise people. It's the Santa Claus Parade. Oh, of course, yeah. We had our own little Santa Claus Parade with the Santa Claus with the poorly fitting beard <laughs> and all of that. So there was always the Santa Claus Parade. We would go down and line the main street. Mm. And in those days, it was very different because they could still hand out candy. Oh, yes, yeah. And so the quote-unquote elves were dancing around with big stockings, handing out candy canes. Oh, that's sweet. Yeah, so it was it was pretty fun. The other one was during the summer. And like every other town in Canada, hmm. we had our town days. Right. North yeah, yeah. Sydney's early name and the name associated with it was Bar Town. Oh, okay. Not because of, like, drinking bars. Right. But sandbars. Oh, okay. Interesting. So, bar town. So, we would have bar town days. <laughs> and I, re- I remember when it was uh, uh, the 90th anniversary, it was bar town 90. So, bar town days, it was like a festival in the middle of, I don't know, maybe July. Sure, yeah. And we would go down and there would be the Miss North Sydney mm. um, queen. Right. Would ride yeah. in an open convertible yeah, and yeah. the mayor yeah. and his wife and uh, the air cadet band. Right. Uh, because we had a very, very good air cadet band. Mm. Uh, they had won up to the Eastern Canadian title. So they were very, very good. Yeah. And we loved to hear them. And then there was the standard odds and sods. Right. You know, the hardware store, the oh yeah, yeah the yeah, drugstore. Yeah. Everybody had their own car or float. Yeah. Those were the parades. Oh, yeah. It's amazing to me with the parades I've seen since, the, how excited we used to be. Right, yeah. As kids to be at these parades. Mm. Are you going to the parade? Well, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Where yeah. else are you going to be on the opening night of Bar Town Days but at the parade? <laughs> right. What's funny for me is so um, 
I grew up in Wolf Hill, Nova Scotia. Yeah. And so my two memories of parades, um, there was one that we always had. It was an annual parade. And I'll, I'll, cir- I'll circle back to that one. But the okay. one that I remember the most, um, I'm pretty sure it was our hockey team, Acadia University. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure they went on and won like the bit. It was either a hockey or, or football. I can't really yeah. remember. I was quite young. Um, but they went on and won the big title like across Canada. Yeah. And that was huge. And I remember when they came back, it was just like the whole town shut down. It was late at night because it would have been within the school year. Um, yes. And so the, 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 it was, the evening was dark and just like they lit up the, the main street of Wolfville and had the guys coming in on a flatbed truck and just oh, hooting oh, and hollering. Oh, and, oh, oh. and everyone was really getting into it. So I remember that one being just like, oh, this is so amazing, which is funny coming from me because I'm not a huge sports guy. But uh, as a seven-year-old, I mean, I was yeah, just I was just pumped. But our annual one, in uh, my context, was called the Apple Blossom Parade. Oh, yeah. And that was a big thing. That is a big deal. It is a big deal. But what's funny, though, is that I we went to it sometimes when I was a child. And then when I got older, we kind of stopped going to it. Mm-hmm. And I asked my dad once, I was like, why don't, why don't we go to this like big community thing? And he said, we'll, we'll go next time and just take a look. Just take a look around. <laughs> and so when we went, all of a sudden it was like crystal clear to me. I was just looking around. Who are these people? <laughs> it was just like people come out of the woodworks, right? Like, I know. <laughs> and out of the backwoods. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. You're yeah. like, oh, my goodness. Yeah, I'm going to go home. <laughs> But it was it was very similar, right? It was the you know the hardware store would have their float. And, oh yeah, and this and that, and kids on bicycles. Oh knows? yeah, yeah, and yeah. we'd have the uh, apple blossom queen and Ooh. and that whole thing. Oh, don't I? I couldn't tell you who they were. I don't. Like I said, we the Townsends avoided it. <laughs> Anyways, yeah. So I thought that yeah, I I think it's neat because when. I think sometimes when we use language of triumphal entry or even the example of like the, how, how, um, uh, the Romans would have done it. It's so like outside of our world that it's kind of hard for us to picture. But yet at the same time, I think we all kind of have a little snippet of like what that could be. Yeah. We understand what that, uh, even with, um, um, gladiator, there is a scene after the Roman army has defeated the uh, the pagans, yes, yeah, out in the woods, Germania would it Germania, be? Germania, yeah. When they come home, the emperor has been murdered by his son Commodus, mm. and so Commodus assumes the role. So he comes in in the chariot with right. his sister, yes, yeah. And uh, there's a scene where one of the senators says to another, "Look." And then he comes riding like a conquering hero. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So oh, there's yeah. there's this scene which it, it just take your breath away, just oh, the magnitude yeah. of the thing. Yeah. And so then that brings us to the how what was it you called it? Was it the triumphant or they called it the the uh, the triumph. The triumph. That's what it was. Yeah. It was just. Um, oh, yeah. yeah, it was just a, a matter of they had a that it, it it struck me funny because of the triumphus. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, sorry. 
I, I made a mistake on that. The Triumphus. And uh, they were pretty clear on that. Yeah. That this was this was something to be celebrated. This was something to be celebrated. The Triumphus, yeah. And so then there we have this example of Jesus coming in and and we've got to ask ourselves the questions as as the reader and you kind of broached the subject in your sermon it's like why did the crowd consider this to be a triumphal entry for Jesus coming in to Jerusalem yeah i think they had a misplaced or misdirected sense of what was going on hmm. like all the way to the garden where Jesus is arrested and peter takes his sword out and takes the ear off Malchus, the servant of the high priest, they were still thinking military. Right, yeah. Warrior, they were thinking like warrior God type warrior thing. Warrior God, God is... Because their idea of freedom, they were under the heavy hand of the Romans. And make no mistake, there's lots of ways we could talk about how, uh, how the Romans um, were the overlords. Right, yeah. And they acted like the overlords. Mm-hmm. And... I mention in the message that the Roman peace, the Pax Romana, which, by the way, became one of the foundational elements necessary for the easy propagation of the gospel. Right. Uh, Because the Pax Romana meant that the Romans were unchallenged, Mm. and so there was a peace, Mm -hmm. because no one would dare be insurrectionist because the Romans would crush it. They oh, always yeah. did. Yeah. Years later, you know, there's the story of Masada mm-hmm. and the Jews, uh, the Maccabees, all of that. Uh, but the fact of the matter is the Roman peace had been established by Roman military rule. It was overseen and upheld by Roman military rule. Right. And any... Um, challenge to it would be crushed right. by Roman military rule. Right. And so any bringing of a new kingdom that right. Jesus talked about, right. the kingdom of God, would of course have to mean the crushing of the Romans. The crushing of the Romans, yeah. And and the people though in this moment, like so you were saying they were sort of mentally misled um, because they were thinking maybe it was going to go one way. But then it was also like they were, you kind of talked about how they were witnesses to the things that Jesus was doing, right? So it wasn't even just that he was saying he was bringing the kingdom, but it was also this mix of the things they had seen. Well, yeah, and part of it is that the kingdom was being, let me use a $10 word, being inaugurated. Now right. we're familiar with the term inaugurated, with presidents and so on. Mm. There's the inaugural address, the inaugural celebration. The kingdom of, For the kingdom of God to be inaugurated, they were hearing a new message about the kingdom of God, mm-hmm. and they were seeing works that typified the kingdom of God. Right. And it's the two of those together. They're an inseparable bond. Jesus had to both speak the kingdom mm. And demonstrate the kingdom. Right. Now, the misunderstanding was what was the nature of that kingdom. Right. But it didn't stop them from celebrating the greatness of what they'd seen. Right, yeah. Whatever this kingdom is, even if they think 
wrongly about the kingdom. Right. The one thing they can't mistake is the greatness of the works of the kingdom. Right. And so in different places, um, I love that um, in Matthew it says, he spoke as one having authority. Hmm. And they had never heard that before. And so what he said was one thing. And then it goes on and in three chapters in Matthew, he goes on to do works to demonstrate his authority. And so it's his word and the works together right. that are the inaugural message of the kingdom. Hmm. Yeah. Now, why do you think, because you talked to about how Jesus, he, he, he kind of let them do it. He even, he even defended them to do yes. it against the religious leaders. And yet, you know, for us, we know how the story ends. Yep. Now, in that moment, Jesus knew how the story was going to end, mm-hmm. but the people didn't. Yep. Um, so why do you think he, he let them celebrate even though he probably knew they're celebrating for, quote-unquote, the wrong reasons? Well, I, I can't uh, presume to speak for Jesus in that, <laughs> in that place. but let, Good point, yes. But, but, but here's something that God always does mm. or never does. He never leaves himself without a witness. Right. There is a, a, a kind of a thread of remnant theology in that. Okay. Um, Elijah is at the cave in uh, Sinai, Horeb, and God tells him that there are 7,000 who have not yet bowed the knee to Baal. Right. And that's remnant theology. Hmm. Uh, And through history, even when countries have tried to destroy Christianity, Mm. what they find is there's always some remnant. Right, yeah. That they didn't catch up with, that they can't account for, Mm. and that God uses for his kingdom to flourish again. Right. And I, I think in that moment, God wanted a testimony. Right. And the testimony was simply this. This is the one. Yeah. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. The scripture is being fulfilled here. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's neat when you even put that in, in framework of like how God's ultimate control and how he wants, um, you know, there's always going to be a witness. But when you, it's neat when you actually look at like the size of how many people were would have been there. In relation to the 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 enormity of the world at the time, where they weren't connected in a communication way like we are today. Sure. And my word, like the the way that this kingdom message spread literally around the world, it's amazing. It's amazing, and and God did it in the context of the Pax Romana. Right. So, <laughs> so here's the thing. There was a single language, a lingua franca, the language of commerce. There were roads that the Romans had made for their armies to travel Mm. all over this kingdom. 
But gospel preachers also use those. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. There was a peace. So gospel preachers, though they had to negotiate um, people's uh, opposition to the gospel, hmm. they never had to step around fighting because hmm. there was none. The Romans just wouldn't put up with it. Right. So there were lots of things that uh, made the Pax Romana a perfect time for the gospel. Right, yeah. And so God was using what was prepared by a pagan nation right. as the conduit oh, yeah. for this wonderful message all over the known world. It's really wild, too. Like, my mind quickly went to that newer song. We've, we've sang it here, I think, a few times um, in church, but that Waymaker song. Yeah. Yeah, Michael W. Smith. Yeah, yeah. and you're Amazing. like, you're like, oh, you start to kind of see, you know, that like that's a huge example of the spreading of the kingdom of God um, in the early days of using that Pax Romana, and you go, you know, if he can do that on such a huge, massive scale, what ways are is God making in my own personal? Oh, life? oh, and he's yeah. In my own personal life and in our nation. And in our nation, yeah. Canada is at a place where probably the lowest percentage of evangelicals in all of its history. Hmm. And some will get down in the mouth and they'll they'll want, oh, woe is us and all that. Do not. Right. God will use this. Mm-hmm. And God will bring a resurgence. Mm-hmm. And those who have opposed him will wonder, where the heck did that come from? Right. Because he never leaves himself without a witness. Yeah. And his kingdom has never been overcome by any other kingdom. Mm. And the other thing that's that can be hard for us in the here and now is that it may look like what, not not necessarily his kingdom, but like the methods in which God will use to spread his kingdom may look very different than you know yeah if i was going to if i was going to try to undo this hmm. i would have my own plan of how this all ought to work <laughs> okay oh yeah yeah god will say uh, no i think he must sigh a lot <laughs> Go. Well, he, he, oh. he um, I think it's in the Hebrew, they say um, that God was, it was a Hebrew idiom of, uh, he was long of nose. Long of nose. Which really was that expression of... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. So... Just, oh, please. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so I think uh, with the kingdom... He's at work in ways we don't know. Hmm. Yeah. Now, I know you had mentioned to me, Gord, that you kind of wanted to talk a little... Uh, one of the things you would have liked to do is talk a little bit more of the kingdom um, within that message and kind of what this what this meant with Jesus at the time and what this gospel kingdom looked like and how it was concerning at the time but versus what it looks like today. Yeah, I and I I would circle back to the whole inauguration thing. Right. Yeah. Where he would where he is he's going he's doing a new thing. Mhm. Now there's some teaching that surrounds that. Mhm. Jesus has to say 
the, the first shall be last and the last shall be first. If right. you want to be great in the kingdom, you've got to be a servant. And he's got to say that, mm. but then he lives that. And he talks about the power of the kingdom, mm. but he demonstrates the power of the kingdom. Right. In Matthew in particular, he talks about the authority, exousia. They, they, uh, the word that's translated authority. And even in the Great Commission, um, you know, that word is used. Hmm. But it's a word that it's put together of two concepts, the right and the ability. And the ability, yeah. And, and so Jesus had to demonstrate that this kingdom, this new kingdom, not new, but new to the people, had both the right and the ability mm-hmm. to do what God wanted done. Right, yeah. And so... He, he he did things, <laughs> even to raising the dead. Right. And, I, and on Sunday, I talked about the fact that, you know, and finally, kind of the, the apex of this was the raising of Lazarus. Oh, yeah. Now, there had been several other funerals I mentioned that he had interrupted. Yes, yeah. There's the, the woman's son her only son she he would have been the one who would care for his mother mm-hmm. he dies jesus raises him there's the little girl jesus raises her from the dead right and so there are times when jesus interrupted the funeral but it was very immediate right this one's a little different this yeah, is the lazarus stories is it is different yeah it's four days dead and uh, the people are still mourning yep I can almost see the torn clothes, the sackcloth and ashes, and all of the mourning that goes with mm-hmm, it, the mm-hmm. weeping and wailing. And Jesus walks into that and says, Lazarus, come forth. It's, it's a very striking mm. overturning of what people assume to be true. Yeah. It's fascinating, too. I think, um, I'm pretty sure it's in the Gospel of John. Because that's 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 also in the Gospel of John, yes, right? Yes, it is. Yes. And I think from a literary perspective, um, a lot changes actually after that moment in the Gospel of John. Sure. Where I think there's something like um, the disciple whom I'm whom whom Jesus loved. I think that's a language or something. Yes, it is. Yeah. Um, and I think that only happens. I could be wrong. Maybe we'll return to it next week. Yeah. But I'm thinking that that. That that language only starts to happen after the raising of of Lazarus. Mm. Lazarus. I could be wrong though, but it's it's a pivotal point in in the oh, there's uh, in no the story. doubt, and and you can tell it's a pivotal point because he'd done a lot of things, but it's only after that one that people follow him. People from Jerusalem hear that he's coming, and they have heard about the raising of Lazarus, mm. and that's what draws the crowd. It says it right in the text. Oh yeah, that 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 was so striking. Mm. <laughs> so a leader that can raise a man four days dead from the grave mm. is the guy you want to be following. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting when you when you put those stories up against each other of the other two examples of, of bringing someone from the dead, but it was very immediate, right? Yeah. It was like, literally, they just died, and then boom, you know. 
but that's a that's a it's a very interesting juxtaposition of like the four day aspect. Yeah. It could it could have been seven days. It, it doesn't like doesn't really it matter. doesn't really matter. But the point is is that the grieving the aspect of him being dead was it was it was sunk in like it was in. Yeah. Interesting. I love the fact that Jesus cried over him. Hmm. I think we've talked about this before. That death is the uh, the ultimate symbol that things are not the way they're supposed to be. Right. Death was not supposed to be part of the mix. Yeah. And it is. Yeah. No, it's fascinating. And no one feels that more deeply than Jesus. And mm. he weeps over Lazarus. Yeah, it's a powerful moment. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And yet that, I shouldn't be laughing, but uh, I couldn't help but chuckle when you said uh, in the King James ver Version. The, yeah, behold, he stinketh. Behold, he stinketh. Well, thank you for keeping this <laughs> in a serious moment there, King yes. James. <laughs> yeah. One thing I've been uh, wanting to ask you, Gord, when we think of the kingdom we think of the kingdom at that time. And, and like you said, it wasn't, it was new to the people. It wasn't, this was something that was tracking and... and yeah, the kingdom of God has, has been the kingdom of God. Mm. And what I find fascinating, I don't know if you're familiar with um, a pastor by the name of Mark Sayers. He's a guy nope. out of Australia. Um, really, really smart guy. Um but uh, he's kind of coined this expression of the current cultural climate we find ourselves in, where he would say, it's like people who want the kingdom without the king. Ooh. <laughs> and I've always found I like that, that. I've always found it fascinating because, you know, you, you even look at Canada as a nation. And you look at things like the healthcare system and the foster mm -hmm, care program, mm -hmm. and, and a lot of a lot of these different things would have been birthed from um, people um, wanting to follow the way and following Jesus's Absolutely. way and leaning into the kingdom of God. And so, a lot of these things for for people who maybe have never even been involved in in Christianity or the church, um, you know, taking care of the widows and the orphans and things like that. It's like in their DNA, but they don't know where it's coming from. Sure. There's no foundation for it. Mm -hmm. He said it makes it a very interesting cultural landscape for us right now because it's not like we're presenting these completely foreign concepts. However, <laughs> we're bringing that idea of authority into it. Yeah, the whole, again, we come back to that same idea of lordship, right? Right. And... Um... I think that people struggle with bowing the knee. Mm -hmm. Giving over control. Yeah, not yeah. only do they want their hamburger done their own way, <laughs> they want their life done their own way. Mm. And when they don't get it, though, they will blame God for the fact that they don't have what they want. Yeah. When really then, in that case... It's more about them. Hmm. It's a, it's a very um, self-centered, yeah, self-focused, yeah, approach to the whole thing. 
And it's tough too because from our perspective, like probably not a positive way to start the conversation of pointing out someone's self-centeredness. No, <laughs> no, not at all. But it is, I think it is fascinating to look at that whole idea of, you know, what was Jesus starting or what was he bringing a light to, to a new people in the day and how that spread in such a fascinating way now to the point where people could potentially be leaning into the kingdom of God without even knowing it. Yes. Right. Now here's, here's a question. Mm. When people want the kingdom Mm -hmm. without the king, by the way, I love that. <laughs> really, they're wanting things to work out the way they want them to work out. Mm. Because sometimes uh, the kingdom requires of us what we may not be pre- prepared to give. Mm. Mm-hmm. And when those two things butt heads, then it's very easy to simply blame the king mm-hmm. and say, I don't know why God would allow that to happen. Right. Well, what if the answer was because what's best can only happen this way? Mm-hmm. For example, let's go back to the ultimate example. Jesus is coming into Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. The crowd thinks he's going to overthrow the Romans. Right, yeah. He's not. In fact, he's going to give himself to the Romans, and the Romans are going to, quote-unquote, win the day. Mm. And they're going to win the day by beating him, humiliating him, having him carry his... Uh, a cross piece. His own death sentence, basically. His own death sentence. Carry yep. it to Calvary. They're going to nail him to a cross, and he's going to die in the hot midday sun. Well, I don't know why God would allow that to happen. Uh, a little bit of theology right there. Hmm. That without the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, the righteous for the unrighteous, there is no salvation right. not for anyone so he could save Jesus from the immediacy of the cross but then he would have set aside the only means by which he could save you and I right yeah so which is it so which is it? Which do you want? <laughs> right. Well, then that becomes, well, of course we want. Yeah, well, okay, but what if in your life then, hmm. in carrying your own cross, something has to happen mm-hmm. that will be the only way it could happen and the best way it could happen? Hmm. Are you okay with that? Yeah. Which really comes back to our, well, the the grander um, question in the series is is this idea of what are we emptying ourselves of? What what are we prepared to jettison? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. You know, when, when ships used to get in trouble and they'd be taken on water, then, you know, or you see a, a movie with some guys in a life raft mm -hmm. and the sharks are circling the life raft and the life raft is feeling the weight of things and is beginning to sink. What's the first thing they do? Well, they start to jettison stuff. They mm -hmm. throw it overboard. Yep. Because they make the decision that if we clear everything out of this raft, that's preferable to going into the water with the sharks. Right. <laughs> yeah. So all of a sudden the choice is much starker, clearer, mm -hmm. and we're way readier to make that call mm. than if someone said, well, why, why don't you just throw the food overboard? Yeah. And we'd say, well, no, that's crazy. I'm not going to throw the food overboard. Well, what if it's the food overboard or you into the water with the sharks? <laughs> and with Jesus, he prayed, is there any other way? Hmm. This cup of wrath, can it go away any other way except if I drink it? Yeah. So we drank it. Yeah. It's interesting too, because when you when you pose that um, that example and the analogy of like being in the raft boat, and and I feel like we can easily get to a point when maybe it's we're naive and we don't understand the things that are around us and then when things do get troubled when the waves do get higher and the storm comes we can make rash decisions about what then gets thrown out or what what yeah. um however we can also use that though to say wait a moment you know not not to live in fear not to to say like a storm is always coming but to be prepared for the storm so really to start figuring out now what needs to be emptied. Yeah, I think it's perspective, right? Mm. What is more important than something else? Right. And Jesus said that. He said, count the cost. Figure exactly. it out. Exactly. You better sit down first and figure out if you have enough to build a tower. You better sit down first and figure out if you have enough men to go against a bigger army. Right. Figure it out now. Mm-hmm. Now, those would have been references to the week before, to right? the week before. Yeah. But, but we don't, typically. And then God says, okay, well, look, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to put you on the point of it. I'm going to push you to a decision. Mm. And then we get angry with him because he pushed us to a decision. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, when we're in that moment, or sometimes it's it's like that twenty twenty vision when we look behind and see yep. what it's been like, or when he tears something away from us, mm. and we and we're angry about it. And but it's but again the twenty twenty vision. You look back and say, "I'm glad he did." Right. Yep. Yeah, because in those moments, hopefully we're not still in the lifeboat contemplating whether or not the sharks are going to eat us. Yeah, yeah. 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 We're at a different place then. Yeah. And so of course then that leads us to the conversation of where we are today in our in our moment and you touched on this on the end of your sermon. Um I loved how you kind of went through some of the pillars 
of yes. Louisville. Yes. And our, our culture here and what we've kind of built up over the years. And many people would know, like if you've if you've been tracking with Louisville for a few years now, or if you're new to us, this would be a new one too. But um, how you purposely left out Sabbath rhythm. That's right. Yeah. And I caught it right away when I was in the taping. Yeah, good I, for you. I thought, wait a moment. He and, and I and it's funny too, Gord, because I thought to myself, no, he couldn't have forgot. <laughs> <laughs> there are only five. Surely, surely he's going to hang on to all five. And if anything, in this time right now, right yeah. where where the I think the language you used were was um, a forced. Yeah, yeah, uh, and we talked about this. I think the first week of the series where we said, "Look, how many times have we said, I just wish I had time for. Mm. I just wish we we could do this. I just wish." And then God says. You need some time? You want to hit pause on that busy schedule of yours? Watch yeah. this. Yeah. And then suddenly we have this forced rhythm where it is illegal mm. for me to go out and see a friend. I can't go set up a coffee meeting. Right. And so now we are left with this time. So what yeah. are we going to do with it? What are we going to do? And I loved, like, you know, you said... At the end there, like, what are we going to do? And and ultimately, we need to turn this moment into worship. And what does that start to look like? Most people <clears throat> have some sense of worshiping God when things are up and to the right. Mm. Well, praise God this happened. Praise God. I got my income tax back, and it's a big refund. Praise God. Mm. I I prayed for Aunt Millie, and she's gotten better. Praise God. But what about and the, the difficult things, the hard things? But what about just the uncertain things? Mm. That, for me, is the bigger challenge. Oh, when yeah. I don't know. Yeah. When I, I don't know how it's going to turn out. Yeah. Now, you know, they're starting some modeling with this whole coronavirus thing, but we really don't know. Right. By the way, can I, can I do a sidebar here? Oh, that, now's the time to do it. And just say, I do not believe that the Bible says anything about coronavirus. Yeah, yeah. You know, the end days, Jesus said, I don't know. The angels don't know. Only the Father knows. Yeah. So if someone says, I think this is it and I'll tell you why, just mm. stop listening. Change the channel right there, because mm -hmm. it's going to go nowhere good from that point on. Yeah, and and to be honest, Gord, I think it's a really important sidebar to address because where everyone's more either watching TV or online and reading this and reading that, um, you and I have noticed that that narrative is starting to is, oh, is coming it's, out. It's coming out, and uh, they're just not being honest with people. Mm -hmm. It's fear-mongering. Yeah. yeah, I heard one preacher who preached partway down Matthew 24, and before he came to the verses that talked about uh, the tribulation. And, oh, sure, yeah. Then he left the text and never did return to it. Right. So he preached the part of Matthew 24 that was, that was easy to be used for where he was going. For where he was going, yeah. And I'm just like, folks... Yeah, because we've had so many of these. Oh yeah, no, it's 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 like a naive understanding of history. Like, look at history: SARS, World Wars, uh, 
terrorist attacks. Oh, yeah. Like, we are living in an unprecedented atmosphere mm -hmm. of violence on every level. Mm. From our homes to nation against nation. Yeah. There's violence everywhere. That is what should give us pause. Mm -hmm. Not coronavirus. Yeah. Coronavirus is serious. And if you don't it do is, yeah. what you're supposed to do, it can kill some people. I'm 64 years old. I have diabetes. I have high blood pressure. I have asthma. So as one staff member said to me a few weeks ago, you're checking off the boxes, aren't you? Yes, I'm checking off the boxes because I am one of the at-risk types. Mm -hmm. I have to be careful where coronavirus is concerned. Right, yeah. But that is not the biggest problem in society. Right, yeah. It's the most publicized, but it's not the biggest one. Yeah. Yeah. Now, never mind other illnesses that are killing people worldwide. Mm. Things like different cancers, heart disease, all of those. I get that. We have a problem with violence. Mm. And I'm just I'm not just talking about the United States and their failure or inability to uh, address gun control. Sure, yeah, no, no. I, I'm talking about the man who beats his wife and kids. Oh, yeah. That's violence in the home. Mm -hmm. We're praying about those today with our, with our vulnerable children, our mm -hmm. vulnerable families. They're, they're having to be um, self-isolated, quarantined. In a very dangerous situation. In a very dangerous place. Mm-hmm, yeah. It's, it's like letting a poisonous snake loose in your house mm. and then saying, and you can't leave the house. Right. Yeah. And so you, everything from that to societies to nations and civil wars to nation against nation mm -hmm. to terrorists who cross territorial boundaries all the time wreaking their havoc, that kind of violence. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And to circle back to it's it's not like we're saying in these moments where we say like what are we going to do is worship and to say like to thank God. Like I think sometimes people can get confused by that. Like they see all these things we just talked about said, "Well, what does that look like? Am I supposed to thank God for all these things?" I no. Thank God for his control over them. Exactly. Thank God for his goodness in them. Mm -hmm. Thank God for a plan and purpose that will one day eradicate these. Mm. Thank God for his grace and mercy in all of these things. So many of these situations, we see the awfulness, but then we see God reach into that darkness mm. and pull people out into the light in ways they could not have anticipated. Exactly. Thank God for that. Thank mm -hmm. God for his promise to be ever-present with us no matter what. Mm -hmm. Thank God for his provision day by day. Like there's all kinds of things to worship and praise God for. Amen, yeah. Without saying, thank you, God, that my husband beats me and the kids. Oh, and, yeah, uh, yeah. No, uh, no that's, that's not, not what we're saying, saying at all. No. Not even close. But we're talking about the sufficiency of God always. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that language of this too shall pass. 
This too shall pass, and in the meantime, God walks with us. Mm. Like I have, over the past few years, come to a new appreciation of Emmanuel, Mm. which being interpreted is God with us. It was not only Jesus when he came at Bethlehem was then with men, but he said to his disciples, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Mm. There is a presence, there is a promise for the abiding presence of Jesus with us mm-hmm. in every and all circumstances. Yeah. Thank him for that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love that. I was close to preaching right there. I, it, it got there. <laughs> <laughs> so as we're closing up, Gord, um, uh, yeah. do you have any kind of final thoughts? I mean, this is, uh, here we are, uh, Good Friday's approaching. Um, and then of course we're going into the Easter weekend and yeah, we're, we're in new territory. Yeah. Um, but you know, we've seen really kind of neat interaction that are, you could argue we haven't seen before, you know, that we're seeing online and, and, and we're seeing families now, um, reaching out to each other more so than maybe they ever have before. And, and so we're sort of in this, this new new era and i think there are some things that we don't want to leave behind you know maybe calling your parents on a daily basis is something you could continue yes right you yeah know, i'm thinking that for myself and um just checking in on them just checking in yeah but yeah just as we're closing like <clears throat> you know i'm gonna cheat a little adams okay Of all of the services we run in a year. And I've been doing this now for over 40 years. Mm. My favorite is Good Friday. Okay. I have spent most of my ministry life teaching about the cross and what happened there. Mm Mm-hmm. So let me just say, it's at the cross that we are reconciled to God. And we're reconciled to God because he redeemed us with the blood of his son. And he redeemed us because he made him a propitiation. He was the acceptor of God's wrath. Hmm. And when he did that, we are justified. And because of that, we have victory Hmm. in Jesus Christ. And we are reconciled to God. Such a gift. Yeah, it's a beautiful thing. It is. We are cleansed. Forgiven. Just rest in that. Yeah. Just take a minute. Sit. Think through your life. And that in Christ, all of it's gone. If I spend too much time talking about that, I'll, I'll flat out cry. 
I wear a tattoo on my arm that says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. If there is one thing that is true about my life, is that there is plenty to condemn. Yeah, just take some time, realize what God did at the cross. Mm. And that it's, it, it can be yours in Jesus Christ. And if you're a Christian, if you have bowed the knee to Jesus Christ, then it's already yours. Mm. You don't have to do more to get it. It's already yours. So for me, Good Friday, I'm going to spend hanging around the cross. We'll celebrate the Lord's Supper together. Yeah. But uh, that's where I'll spend the time. Yeah. And then, of course, Easter. I'm looking forward to Easter. Yeah, so am I. Looking forward to talking about it. Yeah. Looking forward to, again, opening up a little door, I hope, a little window maybe. Mm Mm-hmm into what God did there, mm-hmm. what difference that makes for us. I'm excited. Yeah. I've been working on it. I've been praying it, praying it over. I've been thinking about it. I've been spending time. So, yeah, in the next day or so, I'll finish that up, and yeah. uh, we'll be good to go. And then we'll be here next week chatting about that subject. Then we will. There you we'll go. We'll be coming back to that. Okay, Gord, well, this was great. Adams, I enjoy this. Thank you for your patience with me. Oh, no. No No patience needed. (laughs) (laughs) I I have a great time with this. And uh, I would say to everyone who will hear this, he's risen. Mm -hmm. He is risen indeed. Way to go. There we go. (laughs) We'll see you guys next week. We'll see you.